Mysterious Circumstances is an American Crimecast production. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Hey everybody, this is Justin from Mysterious Circumstances Podcast, and I'm happy to say that I am back after a couple month break. Um, I can honestly admit it was kind of nice having a little bit of a break, but... You know, under the circumstances, it kind of sucked, but I'm happy to be back, and the outpouring of support that I got from you guys was fucking amazing. Um, the emails and the messages, Facebook page has been blowing up, I'm finally on Twitter, um, everything's been really, really cool, and uh, we have a really good show for you today, and I say we, because uh, for this case, I've actually enlisted the help of my friend Greg, because this is a pretty big case, and... Just for the record, this case is dedicated to Tanya, who is from the, around the area down in Arkansas, Arkansas, where this occurred. Um, She is going through some medical stuff right now, and I kind of pushed her request to the front because of that, uh, you know, help with the recovery and stuff. She requested it. I told her I'd move it to the front just because of the time frame factor, and I hope everything's going good for you, Tanya, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I do gotta, I do gotta give a couple shout outs. I mean, the emails I got, I gotta say, you know, thanks for, thanks for contacting me, Ellie, um, from England. Of course, Nicole is always on the, uh, Facebook page making some comments. I know she's excited for the episode too, and Dana, she's on there waiting for the episode. Everybody's been, been beating me up pretty good. Um, the next episode I'll definitely give out more acknowledgments read some reviews and i mean the amount of emails i have gotten in my absence and show of support and you know you guys as the listeners you know telling me you'll wait for me uh it was it was all it was really awesome there's no other two ways about saying that uh it it just made me realize that how much you guys actually like this show and you know i do it for you so i appreciate it but on with the case. Today we are going to be talking about a case that is common re- commonly referred to as Boys on the Tracks. So, on August 23, 1987, 16-year-old Don Henry and 17-year-old Kevin Ives of Arkansas were hit by a train. Now, what makes this case really, really interesting is the circumstances surrounding it and the fact that this is right by Mena, Arkansas. And for those of you not familiar with Mena, Arkansas, it is basically looked at as a drug smuggling and money drop point for the CIA and the Medellin Medellin, uh, cartel out of Mexico, or no, Mexico would be Colombia, I would suppose. Um, But it was a pretty huge deal back back in the 80s. A lot of shit went down. A lot of conspiracy theories surrounding this. Uh, gun running. Uh, definitely had uh, Governor Bill Clinton supposedly involved in this. But here is basically what happened. And I am a little bit out of practice, so bear with me on this episode. So on Saturday night, August 22nd, uh, Don and Kevin are hanging out with some friends. Uh, at a local local hangout, everybody's hanging out, probably drinking some beers, probably smoking a little bit of weed too, whatever, you know. They are teenagers. 
Uh, at around midnight, they leave all their friends and they head to Don's parents' house. And what the boys are going to do is they're going to go out and go spotlighting, which for those of you who are not familiar with spotlighting, um, you grab some spotlights, a couple rifles, you shine the light in uh, whatever you're hunting's eyes, and then you proceed to shoot them. It is a form of hunting, and yes, I believe it is illegal in Arkansas as well. But, you know, that really never stops anybody. Does it, Greg? No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, they leave Don's dad's house at about 12.15 a.m. on August 23rd to head to their favorite hunting spot, which is a, uh, a railroad track that runs behind uh, Don's dad's house. So, what pretty much happens from here on we we have certain facts and then we have controversy because from this point on until 4 a.m nobody really knows what happened all we have are facts at about coming into about 4 a.m on august 23rd 1987 a union pacific train was heading north with three crew members we had uh, a conductor an engineer and a brakeman as they are heading uh towards alexander which is roughly about 25 miles north of Little Rock, Arkansas. This train crests Bryant's Hill, which is uh, located, I believe, in between Alexander and Bryant, Arkansas. And it started making their descent a little bit down, uh, down below. Well, they passed a crossing, and they approach a small little trestle over what's called Crooked Creek. The facts of the train are it's traveling at about 52 miles an hour. I believe the train is right around a mile long. I know it had at least 35 cars attached to it. And it's going 52 miles an hour. Now, and this is the early morning hours. This is a little bit after 4 a.m. in the morning. Uh, what happens is the crew members see a dark spot on the rails ahead of them. Now all three of these guys are looking at the spot trying to trying to figure out what it is. So when they're about a hundred yards away, it all dawned on them pretty much at the same time from what I understand that what they are actually seeing is two bodies and a rifle laying on the tracks. Now supposedly these two boys are all also covered by a pale green tarp from waist to knee. Personally, I don't know how you can see a hundred yards ahead going 52 miles an hour on a train at like 4 a.m. You would think it would be kind of dark, dark outside, dark. you know what I mean? That, you know, that's a little odd to me, um, but all three men actually agreed on that, so there's no really conflicting stories. They actually all had the exact same story. Now, the engineer hits the emergency brake of the train. Now the boys' bodies are laying with their heads against the west rail, facing up, with their feet against, uh, laying over the east rail. Uh, both had their arms by their sides, laying parallel across the tracks, obviously, like I said. The, uh, the main engineer actually said he, he was blowing the whistle, he hit the brakes, and this thing, I mean, it's a 6,000 ton train. So it actually took about a half a mile for it to even come to a full stop. While he's blowing the whistle, he stated that neither boy even moved. 
never opened their eyes, didn't move a muscle. They just laid there. They actually didn't, you know, see the train run over these two young gentlemen. Uh, but they did say they, that they actually had felt it. So when the train actually stops about a half mile down the tracks, uh, the, the emergency brake actually kicked in and, you know, you got 6,000 tons going over 50 miles an hour. Sorry for all you metric fans out there. I really didn't bother converting, uh, you know, all the, all the math right there. But here's where shit gets a little bit interesting. About 35 cars back, the, the three guys from the train, when it does stop, they get out. They walk 35, uh, 35 cars back, <clears throat> and they found the first body part. Uh, the remaining body parts were strewn over a quarter mile area. Um, that is pretty graphic. Uh, I did not look at any crime scene photos, nor did I really want to, to be perfectly honest with you. It is stated that the two men that did actually go back and look, they said the blood did not look right. They said it looked a lot darker than fresh blood ought to be which is an extremely interesting little fact and that that'll definitely play a role later now the saline county sheriff's department arrived at the scene at about 4:40 a.m which is about 13 minutes after the crew actually reported the collision now deputy chuck talent and lieutenant ray richmond were the responding officers now, despite the crew's information that they actually told the cops, the deputies insisted on treating the scene as if it were an accident scene. The conductor, whose name was uh, Tomlin, he actually actually observed. He was like, he said, the you know, one boy was not moving. He said, maybe two. He's like, you know, I have some trouble with that because they are freaking blowing the horn and trains are loud even without horns. So if these boys were, you know, maybe passed out, taking a nap on the fucking train tracks, which probably no, not many people do, what do you think, you know? It just, it, it doesn't add up. Now, a couple hours earlier, there's an Arkansas state trooper named Wayne Lanehart. Uh, had it actually investigated a report of two gunshots in the area and had found nothing. Um, he also responded to the train collision site and was also quite surprised uh, that the two deputies really didn't even consider the possibility of any foul play. And he actually had mentioned, uh, uh, the state trooper had mentioned, you know, to the deputies that, you know, he, he didn't think the deaths were an accident. He didn't understand how the two deputies could just naturally assume that it was an accident. Um, the EMTs who, EMTs who responded on the scene actually agreed with this. Uh, they actually stated that the color of the blood and internal organs had suggested that the boys had died much sooner than what was originally reported. Take a drink of my beer here. Now, Lieutenant Richmond said to treat the deaths as a traffic accident. Now, per Arizona state law, Traffic accidents require no, no autopsy whatsoever. So the bodies were sent to the funeral home. Now, within a couple hours, the, uh, the deputy actually changed his mind and had them sent to the state crime lab where Fami Malik ruled the cause of death, accident, or suicide due to marijuana use. 
he would state that the boys had smoked roughly 20 marijuana cigarettes, which for you laymans out there would be 20 joints, and uh, said that they had passed out pretty conveniently right there on the tracks and did not, not ever wake up. Now there is actually quite a few witnesses to what happens here. Uh, one of them being named Ronnie Godwin. Uh, he said he was going home from a uh, local nightclub, uh, and uh, at the ra he, he said he was passing a grocery store and saw two police officers beating up two boys. So instead of driving by, he actually pulled behind a row of cargo trailers and watched. He said that the officers just beat the hell out of these kids and finally threw the boys in the back of an un unmarked police vehicle uh, and drove up to a dead-end road uh, to what they refer to as Alexander Mountain. He knew that they would have to come back out, so he actually stayed there and waited about 15 minutes or so, and the officers returned and drove off in the direction of the railroad tracks. Now, Mr. Godwin actually refused to confirm or deny the identities of the officers as Kirk Lane and Jay Campbell, and he actually will not to this day comment at all about any of this. Now, another witness, and he was only known as Jerry, uh, saw the exact same scene that night. He reported it to the sheriff's department. Uh, he was actually immediately arrested for failure to pay child support, held for 90 days, and then released and told to leave town, which he did. I'm not too sure what really happened to him. Some of these witnesses and stuff like that, like this case was playing a little bit hell to research and I didn't want to get too far off the subject. After the initial medical exam, the Arkansas State Medical Examiner did his initial quote unquote investigation because we're going to go into some facts about old Fammy Malik here because this dude is a fucking character. Basically the parents were not happy with this. Um, Linda Ives who was Kevin's mother was extremely disappointed in the lack of investigation in this case and I could not I mean you got to agree with the woman. There was Within a couple minutes, they, they dubbed it an accident, no, no autopsy, whatever else. So about five months after, uh, the families decide to hold a press conference, and they're basically pushing to get the case reopened. They end up having the bodies exhumed. There's a pathologist, an actual very, very highly regarded pathologist from Atlanta by the name of Dr. Joseph Burton. Joseph Burton actually uh, did a did an autopsy on the bodies, and what he found was that Kevin Ives and Don Henry were more than likely killed before they were placed on the tracks. One of the gentlemen had a stab wound in the back. Uh, I I heard various reports on whether it was one stab wound or a couple. It was just one. Just one. Okay, that's what that's what I read uh, in another website. I read more than one, but I'd read multiple. With multiple, just one. yeah. And uh, the other young gentleman actually had his skull fractured in what they assumed was from the butt of a rifle. Now, like we were talking about, you know, we'll get we'll get into some of the theories here in a little bit. <clears throat> but after that, they basically said that it's more than likely a probable homicide. So going from there, the families are now actually pretty convinced that something's going on, 
Linda Ives trying to contact the FBI to have the case reopened some more. She actually got the FBI to reopen the case in June of 1994. And on November 29, 1995, she was actually told that there was no evidence, and I quote, no evidence that any crime had been committed. So it was the end of story as far as law enforcement is concerned. Now, judging from the pathologist from Atlanta, who actually had six other pathologists around the country look at these uh, wounds, and they both agreed, or both, they all agreed that the boys were definitely definitely murdered before they were placed on the tracks because i mean even then the shit doesn't make sense why are you gonna get really really high and just take a fucking nap on some train tracks i mean i don't get it now there's a lot of shady stuff going around this area at this point in time and you know we will discuss that in the facts and theory sections the the cops some uh i don't know there's a lot of conspiracy theories about mena arkansas being a cia um, drug cartel drop point where there's money, lots of drugs. Like I said, we will get into that a little bit later. And like I said, sorry, excuse me for not having a good flow of the show. I've been out of practice for a couple months. What we're actually going to get in here too is we're going to talk a little bit about the state medical examiner, Fehmi Malik. This guy is a freaking piece of work. Uh, some of his claims to fame are in 1985. A man was shot four times in the chest. Fami Malik ruled that one a suicide. In 1986, a body was found in a lake with a bullet wound in the head. Fami Malik ruled that one an accidental drowning. 1992, a body came about and was found with five bullet wounds. Fami Malik ruled that one a suicide. And a date unknown, a man named James Milan was actually found decapitated and Fami Malik ruled that he had died from an ulcer. <laughs> you know what I mean? The sad thing about Fami Malik is that he only answered to one person in Arkansas. And this is a proven fact, the one person that he answered to was at the time Governor Bill Clinton. There's a lot of speculation out there about Fami Malik probably having some dirt on him. You know, we don't know that for sure. We all know the Clintons are some pretty fucking shady people, as are most politicians. Now, I looked up something on that family Malik with uh, Bill Clinton, and uh, he actually was uh, the pathologist for his Bill Clinton's mother, who was a anesthesiologist at the hospital in Arkansas. She had, what do you call it, uh, mishandled, I guess, uh, the situation with two people. I think it was two people or one person that was it went to court over, and he was he was appointed for that and basically wrote it off as accidental death or died from some other means other than she mishandled what she did for a living. And and that was Bill Clinton's mom. So <laughs> so basically, Bill Clinton could be doing this guy a lot of favors, and he's doing him a lot of favors, too, from what it sounds like. That's a pretty interesting fact right there. All right, now, there are a lot of people who had claimed to have knowledge about these deaths. All these people have died. Almost every single person who claimed to have seen something or have knowledge about this has died. And here is the list. April of 1988, Keith Coney claimed to have knowledge of the, the deaths of Don and Kevin. And uh, he was actually slashed in the neck 
before trying to flee on his motorcycle and he slammed into the back of the truck and died. Um, Boone Bearden, who was a friend of the boys, actually disappeared and his body was never found. In November of 1988, Keith McCaskill claimed to have knowledge of what happened to the boys. And this one actually was pretty weird because he actually knew his life was in danger to the point where he made his own funeral arrangements and uh, made it a point to say goodbye to his friends and family. And he actually died from 113 stab wounds. In January of 1989, Gregory Collins claimed to have knowledge of this. Uh, he was killed before he could testify for a grand jury of a shotgun blast to the face. Uh, April of 1989, Jeff Rhodes claimed to have knowledge of this case. He, w he was killed before he could testify. He was actually found in a city dump uh, with a gunshot wound to the head. In July of 1989, Richard Winters claimed to have knowledge of this and was set to testify. And he was killed from a blast of a sawed-off shotgun. And in June of 1990, Jordan Kettleson claimed to have knowledge of this. He was set to testify in front of a grand jury. And he was also killed with a sh shotgun blast to the head. Now the interesting thing here is we got seven deaths within three years of these two boys dying. So all in all, we got, you know, nine deaths right here within three years of a pretty small town in Arkansas. And literally no arrests have ever been made in any of these murders. And I'll be honest with you, that, that blows my freaking mind right there. I don't even really know what to say about all that. There's always, there's a really big dispute about the green tarp. Because the, the three... Workers on the train claimed to see this tarp covering from waist to about knees. They said it was a light, pale green tarp. Now, what is weird about this is that the tarp was never found. Uh, the cops on the scene actually stated that the conductor and engineer never even mentioned that there was a tarp. And somehow this, this tarp actually managed to disappear before the EMTs even got there. Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't really think this is like a huge deal. I mean, I could see that coming around and, you know, maybe in the theory section if we're talking about, you know, doing cocaine and some money drops and all that stuff and everything like that. But at the same time, um, it just, I don't know, it I don't feel it's very important because given the rate of this train and the fact that it took so long for it to stop, uh, I could see a tarp getting tangled just up under rip, some train. Ripped into just shreds. ripped into shreds, you know what I mean? It's I personally don't think that is too big of a deal. But you guys know that I like to give you all the facts that I have. Um, and actually at this point those are pretty much the entire facts that we have. I, I will say this, I forgot to say earlier, and you guys do know that for the most part I do an unscripted show with some notes. The second, the, the actual autopsy that happened about five months later, um, when Fami Malik claimed that the boys had smoked 20 marijuana cigarettes and had fallen asleep on the tracks, um, the actual autopsy said that the boys did have marijuana, but it was the equivalent of one to three joints. So at the same time, even I don't I don't even know how the hell anybody could smoke twenty joints, man. Do you? Oh, 
I mean, I would be, I'd be done, man. Right. <laughs> I'd be done. You know, You'd and I'm what, not fall asleep. Yeah, I fucking fall asleep, but I can guarantee a train would <laughs> yeah, wake my ass up. up right? You know, and I'm not really trying to make light of the situation, but let's fucking get real here, people. All right. So now we're gonna get into some of the facts here, and what we were talking about with the Mina connection is. It's pretty well known. I mean, it's a huge conspiracy theory thing. Don't get me wrong. It's Every theory is right until it's proven wrong. Now, what they say is there are some gentlemen around the Mena, Arkansas area who were laundering cocaine in, into the States. There is a, is a huge drug smuggling operation. Various people are said to have been involved, including Bill Clinton and his brother Roger. Um, there's actually a lot of witnesses about, you know, cocaine parties and, you know, straight up orgies and shit, uh, connected with this cocaine smuggling ring. A gentleman named Barry Seal actually was supposed to be the one in charge of it. Barry Seal actually, uh, died in, I believe, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I think it was in 94. Um, he pretty much got shot up by a couple of, uh, cartel members. Uh, it's a pretty well-known fact that he was in the drug smuggling uh, business and that he was controlling, basically flying in and out the drugs. Now, the extent of the people involved, there's a list too long to name because it it includes a lot of members of the Arkansas political parties, and we all know politicians are pretty shady anyway, and, you know... Some people like to party more than others, so when you're rich and you can do whatever the hell you want, and you're pretty much running the state, I mean, you know, it would make sense. Um, is there any other little facts that you that you noticed about this case, maybe, before we start jumping into some theories, man? Uh, not really. I mean, there's basically just one person that I... Like, that you know did it, right? <laughs> uh, it seems like it, man. There's a... Right. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you get into your theory right. first. I got, I'm still looking up some stuff, actually, at the moment. All right. Well, there's not actually too many theories about this. There's about two or three really good ones. Uh, Greg here actually does have a really good theory that he he took a lot of time researching, and it's actually pretty damn good. Um, the main theory is that the boys happened to stumble on one of the drop points uh, at the time of one of the drug and money drops, and they were beaten and killed and placed on the railroad tracks uh, to cover up the murders. Um, you know, the government, you know, is trying to force feed us, you know, a lot of loose information on it. You're going to, you can read a lot of stuff. But that's pretty much the main theory is that they stumbled on onto this by accident. You know, I'm, you know, there's, there's supposedly, uh, a man who was seen in military fatigues uh, within about 200 yards of the actual uh, scene of the death. Uh, this man was never located. He was seen by a couple eyewitnesses and all three men on the train. You know, that's give or take. I can't, I mean, you, you almost got to believe the guys on the, you know, the conductor and engineer and brakeman on the train. Uh, you know, these guys do this stuff every day and but at the same time, when you're going 52 miles an hour at 4 a.m. in the morning, I'm not going to say I can see a guy in fucking military fatigues 
Well, they uh, two cops also said that they were there at the railroad tracks or around the area, maybe down the tracks more, and that seeing that guy in the military fatigue that opened fired. Oh yeah, him, yeah. And then fleed and really never seen ever since. Like, and then it gets brought up now, but like, well, there was a guy there. Like, yeah. I, it seems a little. It, I mean, it is you suspicious. never found him. Like, yeah, and the two cops basically what it was was the two cops approached this man in fatigues and as soon as they got out of the car this man opened fire on him with an assault rifle so as they duck for cover this man takes off running and he was never actually located depending on who these cops were it's hard to fucking believe this shit because a lot of the cops involved here seem pretty shady so it's hard what to believe and what not to believe that's my personal opinion on that i definitely don't believe that Personally, this I don't, I don't think it was an accident. I don't think these dudes got high, and uh, especially with the evidence of the actual autopsy after the fact, uh, there's there's no way. I mean, even you know, even one of the guy's shirts had a had a stab wound in it, or a, like a, I mean, it had a straight up from a what was it, a military knife. Actually, had a hole in the shirt, you know, and then of course the fractured skull of you know the other young gentleman. I'll be honest with you. I mean, that's that's pretty much the main facts and theories on this. There's every single witness or person to have knowledge about this was killed. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But uh, Fami Malik is definitely a shady character, and I'm glad he uh, doesn't work around Indiana. I'll tell you that much, man. That'd be kind of scary. But uh, Greg's definitely got his own theory here. You want to go ahead and fill us in about that? Yeah, I happened to come across this guy uh, named Dan Harbin. He was a uh, a prosecutor or a lawyer, really, at the time, a private lawyer at the time and around the boy's death. We'll start out, Dan Harbin was a target before for at least one investigation into drug trafficking at the time of the boy's death. Harbin was, he was in prison, he was has since been in prison on federal drug and racketeering charges. He was a private lawyer in 1987. Became something of a celebrity when he became involved with this case because he was looking into it and basically kind of like bringing up his image, uh, uh, like trying to be like involved in this. Like he was pushing himself into it quite a bit. So he was appointed as a special prosecutor in the investigation. I don't know by who. Okay, he he was a uh, he was appointed as a special prosecutor to investigate the case and was in charge of presenting evidence to a grand jury. Two sheriffs, Campbell and Lane, were narcotics officers looking into Harmon for his allegations of drug trafficking. When Harmon learned of the investigation, he named them as suspects to the boy's death, like saying, "Look, they're trying to, they're trying to push it on me. Well, why are you trying to change the story? Like, I'm, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to, you know, do that. Is what it seems like to me." Uh, Miss Ives says she trusted Harmon at the time, but since became suspect, and she actually thinks that he was involved in covering up the uh, boy's death. An investigator by the name of John Brown also testified and took a handwritten statement. I don't know where he got it from. What I was looking, they didn't really say where, where he got that hand, her handwritten statement from. But this is a really interesting thing. Uh, this girl by the name of Charlene Wilson, who once dated Hardman, and Harmon and the two and these two other men that has having beat him and stabbed the boys to death before laying the bodies on the track. One of the men Wilson had named 
later was himself killed and she was retracted her statement and Wilson is actually she was uh, convicted of a drug offense when Harmon was county prosecutor and she is serving now 30 years in prison uh, I don't know when she got sentenced for that so I mean she's still probably there <laughs> never know uh, man the investigator Brown says Wilson initially confessed to having been present when she when the boys were killed and that she slightly stabbed one of them while the others involved in the drug deal cheered her on. So, <clears throat> it seems like somebody's really covering that up. Because, yeah. I mean, I dug yeah. pretty deep to find that. And basically, there's no... there Like, in all this stuff on this case, and all the things I've looked up, I've never found that. I just actually found that today. And I thought that was a... Like, in this guy, there's a... A uh, documentary writer by name Patrick. I can't really pronounce his last name. But he he got involved in the not really involved in the case, but kind of he has a documentary called uh, Clinton Chronicles uh, about the Clintons, and then he got kind of involved in it. I, I don't know if uh, he helped dig up all this information and stuff, but uh, I don't know what you guys think. But this guy seems pretty pretty suspicious, and I haven't even heard anything of this Harmon since. I've still been looking up. Sorry, I couldn't find the information if he's where he's at now. If he's dead, in prison, what? Uh, Off the grid, man. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I probably would be too, to be honest with you. But uh, but yeah, since since and I mean that's the thing though. I mean that would match up with, you know, them the the pathologist saying that you know Don was stabbed beforehand, mm-hmm. before he was laid on the tracks, and then the, obviously the uh, skull fracture of Kevin, which they. I don't. I can't say for sure that they know it was from the butt of a rifle, but they said the fracture actually matches the shape and, you know, the actual break of it. And I mean, and this girl supposedly like confessed to stabbing the kids and being there. Why? Why hasn't she been bringing up anymore? Basically, they're just like, well, you you had this drug charge. We're, we're arresting you for that. And basically, she probably has no real fucking right to say anything anymore. She probably did. <laughs> and, and at the end and of the that's day, that's probably why know? they shut her up. But like, you're put in prison. Maybe you'll find out sometime in the news, which would be sad to say too. She might end up missing or dead. Also, yeah. yeah. Well, all the people that ended up missing and dead, man. I mean, I don't know if she's still alive right now. I mean, she's she's serving it. But this was an article in I think '99. This article came out yeah, that I read. So. Hmm. Still got 16 years, 17 years since then, so I don't know where she is now or what she's doing or yeah. if she's even alive. <laughs> yeah, and that would, I mean, it'd make a lot of sense because the whole Mina, the whole Mina conspiracy does involve the FBI, CIA, uh, you know, drug cartels, money, drop spots. I mean, it would make a lot of sense, you know, especially a state government. You know, if they were involved in it, it's hard. Conspiracy theories are hard to deal with. I'm not going to lie to you. I, you can look into them all you want, but you're going to hear some people who are like, "Oh, yeah, you believe that? You're fucking stupid." You know, but then you got the other half that are like, everything like, if you put it together, it just makes perfect sense. You know. So, and especially with, you know, Clinton being involved, that's always always pretty interesting because you know he's a pretty interesting character himself (laughs) but I don't know guys that's pretty much all the facts and 
in theory is in a rundown of the case. Like I said, there's really not much evidence to go on because of the state of the bodies after they were hit by the train. The the other autopsy that that was conducted uh, actually proved that the boys were murdered before they were laid on the tracks. And actually, uh, in light of that, since 1995, the probable homicide cause has actually been changed to definite homicide. And there still have been absolutely no arrests made on this or any of the murders surrounding this. Now, per capita, that's a lot of deaths in three years, especially murders of, you know, shotgun blasts to the face and uh, people getting stabbed 113 times. You know, there's nothing you can really really do about it, I guess. You're talking about a state-run state government here that's possibly involved in CIA drug drops with cartels from Colombia and Mexico. So, you know, what the hell can you do? All right, now with that being said, Greg actually uh, dug up a little bit more information on this. Uh, what's her name, Charlene? Charlene Wilson. Uh, Charlene Wilson, obviously you know from before, she was had romantic romantic uh, encounters with Dan Harmon. They were dating, I guess. Yeah, the prosecutor. Yes, yeah. Uh, she was, uh, basically she was uh, very into the mob, and she also hung out with, like, Bill Clinton and her and their brother, her brother, their Bill's brother? Bill's brother. Roger? Oh, yeah. Greg's a little bit nervous. I am, Just sorry, cut him some fucking slack. Uh, and she actually has encounters with doing drugs with Bill Clinton, uh, snorting cocaine, where he got so high that he was falling into trash cans. So she was, <laughs> She has all these statements of, I mean, I mean, I, you can make those up, but I mean, uh, the, from what I hear, what I've read on here, that everybody that she has told this to, and also the uh, narcotics officer that's helping her, investigator Gene Duffy, believes every word she said. Well, she was starting to fear for her life, and same with Gene Duffy, the narcotics investigator. Gene Duffy basically disappeared, and like, because she was a fear, feared for her life, and uh, and then Dan Harmon also threatened Wilson about. Like I told you not to, I told you not to talk, bitch. I'll fucking bury you. You will never be able to see the daylight again, and Damn. all this stuff. So she actually, uh, he gave her a, a generous offer of 116 years in prison, which he was a prosecutor on the case, but he never mentioned uh, that they were romantically involved at one point. And so it seems, it seems like, well, she's she's still in prison now. And this uh, is the this is the woman who supposedly stabbed, stabbed this kid. Yeah. And she's stabbed and, and she's actually has a son, I guess a lost son that she's like basically trying to rectify everything she did and became very spiritual. And she's still in prison at the time or right now, I believe, because this is also a later article, but this was after or this was uh, a little bit before the case I told you before when uh the article in 99. Yeah, yeah. Uh but she uh But yeah, she was a uh, offered a generous, like I said, a generous offer, 116 years, which she declined. You know, I mean, over some because she didn't some feel shit. like she was guilty. Right? Well, yeah, she, I mean, she was. I think she was she guilty. Was she freaking guilty. did it, but she, she was, was like guilty, trying to get yeah. to try to take it to trial. So she actually was convicted to a sentence of to 31 years. Uh, mm-hmm. And actually, Governor Mike Huckabee, who uh, was Republican at the time, uh, that she was in jail. One, if he wanted to actually do anything about the case and like and get her out of there so she can actually talk about it, yeah. and they say every every day she's in there is like closer to her being gone. Like they're basically trying to kill her, from what this seems like. Uh, well, like, I mean, if she's involved in this case and 
all the people that involved are already dead. And she's still alive. She's still alive somehow. According to this. And supposedly she was the one who stabbed Don. Yeah. From what she says. I mean. And obviously they're not going to be like, okay, well, yeah, she murdered him. Well, then then she's just going to talk about all the stuff that with everybody else involved, including the higher ups in in politics and everything like that. So uh, basically they just sent her to jail for this prison or prison for uh, all these drug charges and stuff to keep her quiet. And you know they're probably trying to freaking get rid of her. Oh, I'm sure they <laughs> get rid are. Get of her now, so she because so they didn't want to, they didn't want to call it a murder. They're still trying to call it a, an accident, you know. Or but it was a homicide, but they're like not. I mean, technically, right now, like as of this day and time, it's ruled a definite homicide, but no arrests have ever been made. But why in the hell would she say, "Yeah, I was the one who." fucking stab this kid in the back and then she also beat him but yeah. i mean and which would concur with the uh and, and right, actually the you know the skull wound that yeah. kevin had which yeah she was uh like i said before the drug dealers were cheering her on when they were when she was beating her beating the other kids uh or the two kids um but she was like it said in this article also at the time she was very you know, she was probably strung out on cocaine. She was just freaking, like, I don't know how old she was at the time or anything, but, you know, she was in a bad place and and with the bad people and basically did everything that she thought, like, they, yeah, they want me to do this, we're going to do this. Like, she doesn't, she wasn't really thinking, but, like, now she's, I guess, trying to rectify everything she did, basically come out with the truth and uh, basically trying to reconnect <laughs> with her son and try to stay alive and try to put the right people in fucking prison for this shit. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was very interesting. That's actually, I'm surprised, very surprised with our uh, system where they can't fucking get people in jail for what they really did. I mean, yeah. according to this, I mean, what we dug up, I mean, it's it seems like you definitely know who's involved. But nothing's getting done about it because of the higher powers right. of the state and the federal government, which, I mean, at the end of the day, Greg, what is your personal given all the evidence which is not very much at all and like all the listeners out there they're used to a little bit longer episodes that i usually do but i will say this everybody like the lack of crime scene evidence in this case is fucking insane all right there's there's not much to go on so basically it's a theory nobody knows what happened in that four hours between them leaving don's dad house and 4 a.m. Yep, all just all theories, really. I mean, it's all theories. But at the end of the day, given what we know, facts and theories and people involved, what do you think happened? Oh, what I think happened, I mean, it's, it seems pretty obvious. I mean, the kids were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just, you know, I mean, hell, I, I was there at the one point. Just, I mean, I never was in that situation at the wrong place at the wrong time. But, you know, they were, and it's sad to say that they got their lives taken from them over basically trying to get all the money from the, for the higher-ups and stuff and just people being very negligent. negligent. And I really think it was, they like I said, they stumbled in the wrong area, they got fucking killed over it, and the people are trying to cover up who did it. Uh, yeah, I mean... I actually, I actually agree with you. I think they stumbled onto some shit that they shouldn't have. Wrong place, wrong time. Um, I don't I, have I don't have any suspicion of them possibly being involved in it. Uh, and yeah, they yeah, fucking like yeah. did something. You know? I don't I don't have any of that either. There's there's 
I don't I don't see that being a possibility. I mean, they were teenage kids, and I mean, you do have the reports of of eyewitnesses saying that they saw two kids getting their asses beat by some cops and thrown right. in the trunk, but they could not positively identify who those kids were. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a strange fucking coincidence, but at the end of the day, we got to go on facts. And, and mean, if you got two separate witnesses, neither one of them can say, yeah, those were the kids. I mean, also, dude, when I when I think about it, like, it's not saying, like, like I, it doesn't say anything that Bill Clinton and them brought brought up, uh, you know, Harmon into this. I think it was basically Harmon and Wilson. It seemed like they, they met. Harmon was already involved in this stuff, and, you know, Bill Clinton liked to get fucking high on cocaine, yeah. you know? I mean, hey. and also was, you know, they're... I mean, all politicians. Yeah. Scarface style. Yeah, man. I mean, they. I mean, he may have had a part in it because he did the cocaine and stuff. But I mean, yeah. with also that Malaki or the Malik. Oh, Malik. Malik oh, yeah, stuff. family Malik, dude. But that dude's shady as shit. And the yeah. only person he ever answered to was Bill Clinton. Yeah. And obviously, he's one of the smartest fuckers on the planet because he can do whatever he wants, or he's like the dumbest fucking medical examiner right. on earth. You know what I right. mean? Right. I would assume it's probably you know. Not the latter of the two. Yeah. Know? I mean, when you're out you of know, life in politics, I mean, obviously, freaking, there's so many politicians out there that are so corrupt anyway. Yeah. I mean, it seems like basically everyone you see out there, I mean, they've got some freaking skeletons in their closet. But, like I said, I don't know if Bill Clinton, like, honestly, was, all right, we need to kill everybody else like that. But I think it was basically really the drug cartel and cocaine and with that Wilson lady that was doing the cocaine she was she was like she said it laid with the dixie mafia in arkansas yeah and uh she was just involved in she was hung out with bill clinton and did some co- fucking coke you know yeah. <laughs> i mean, well, yeah. good time, man. <laughs> I mean it's, not, it's not not trying to make light of it but i mean yeah. you know, yeah i don't really know really who did it and who fucking told but i just i just don't was. understand why she would just say this shit out of mm-hmm. nowhere you know what i'm saying like when you were saying she's trying to rectify her life, like get a little penance or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like that would probably, you know, entail admitting of a lot of shit that she fucking did during her life to try to, you know, maybe free True. up her conscience a little Which bit. Which I think that Harmon is definitely a prime suspect um, in this case. And I, and I honestly think he was maybe head of the cartel and then he wanted to get really into the you know the whole trial for it because yeah, he yeah. wanted to be in a part of it and you know i mean he was ran uh freaking drug smuggling you know he did it with his office where he was convicted eventually yeah too did, and uh yeah you know i mean I, he wasn't convicted of you know really being involved with that but just a you know being a all right yeah <laughs> Fair enough. I would have definitely, I, I got to agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, by no means these boys were, I don't think they were doing anything wrong. I think it was just wrong place, wrong time. And, you know, unfortunately, two young kids lost their lives. And, uh, you know, because of greed, you know, you know, people say money is a root of all evil, but it's actually greed, you know. Right. I want to say th- something. Thank you guys for letting me be on your uh, on Justin's podcast here. Uh, like you said, it was my first time. A little nervous, uh, you know, 
Just trying to do my best. I mean, I did my re I did quite a bit of research, but I found the stuff that was really intriguing to me. And I mean, this case is there's probably still a lot in this case that we haven't even really scratched the surface of. Honestly, I mean, because here's the deal. Like I was, I was explaining this to him. Like we could dig a lot deeper in this case, but it would be like a fucking twelve hour long. Right. podcast because it is a deep rabbit hole when you start getting into the whole Mina conspiracies. Maybe we could get uh, part two, you know. If well, you maybe look into it a little bit more like maybe a quick like, part two of a of the actual Mina stuff. Mina or and maybe look into you know, like I said, don't even know if Harmon's still alive and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, Fucking what are they doing down, now? Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, where are they now? Man? Yeah, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Alright. Alright, everybody. Well, Tanya, I hope you enjoyed your episode. Um, sorry, it's a little bit shorter than normal, but we really didn't have much much crime scene evidence to go through, and that usually takes up quite a bit of uh, my time personally, like investigation-wise. Um, it's basically more of a facts and theories episode, but you know, you can find a lot of information on this case if you'd like to look into it. Um, everybody knows my email. It's mysteriouscircumstances99 at gmail.com. Everybody can find me on Facebook. Um, for those of you who are on the, like the Facebook page, you already knew that Greg was going to be a part of this episode because there was just too much time to crunch a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of people involved, and uh, the people that are involved have a lot of shit going on. So it took, you know, took a lot of research and stuff. But I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. And just for the record, I am on Twitter now. You can find me at. at m underscore c underscore podcast and it is uh all caps and next episode i will definitely uh read some reviews and some emails that i had gotten uh you know from the past couple months just to give out the acknowledgments that i usually do because i love interacting with the listeners and i for those of you out there who do get on the facebook page i'm i'm always on there talking about shit and I, I'm always replying and everything like that. So, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Tanya, get better, get well soon. Um, and uh, I suppose I'll see you guys on the flip side. <laughs>